Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we are continuing our discussion on the importance of Christian apologetics. Christian apologetics. Uh, For some of you, this may be uh, a word that's foreign to you in terms of apologetics. And as we said on a previous episode, uh, the word apologetics, uh, the derivative in an English form, uh, is apology but not in the sense that many of us think of apology as, as though we were sorry for being a Christian or sorry uh, for believing in God. That's not what apologetics is. Apologetics doesn't mean that we're apologizing um, in that sense for who God is or why we believe what we believe. Apologetics should be looked at in a practical sense. So, for example, if someone asked you, why should I follow Jesus Christ? What would you say? If someone asked you, and and I'm talking about individuals that are sincere in their questions. They're not trying to be argumentative. They just have um, a sincere question about your faith. If someone asked you, why do you Christians worship on Sundays and not Saturdays? What would you say? If someone asked you, why do you believe that the Bible is the authentic word of God versus the Hindu Vedas versus uh, the New World Translation versus the Book of Mormon, what would you say? If someone asked you, uh, why do you believe in the Trinity? And isn't the Trinity, uh, or they might have heard that the Trinity was a pagan doctrine, how would you respond? So these are practical questions. These are questions that uh, could arise any time, any day. And as Christians, we have an obligation to give them a response based on the reason of the hope that lies within us. That's what Scripture tells us and reminds us to do. That we are to be ready to give each man or woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and, and to do it with gentleness as well as respect. First Peter 3.15 which we'll deal with a little bit later. So apologetics is not uh, a method or discipline that's reserved for scholars only. Apologetics is for everyday Christians. There's a common motif that you may run across as it relates to apologetics, and it says that God does not need defending, but people need explanation. Let me say that again. God does not need defending, but people need explanations. So it's not as though we are God's defense attorney. That's not how we need to look at apologetics. What we need to look at is there are people with sincere objections. Some maybe uh, perhaps grew up in a, a, a home that was filled with parents that were skeptics. Some might have had bad experiences in church and were turned off by church. 
Some uh, may be fully ignorant as it relates to church and who God is. I know personally when we used to go out uh, door to door and share the gospel, immediately many of the residents thought that we were Jehovah Witnesses. But we were there to give them uh, the pure milk of the word. We went out to evangelize. And in, in, in this discourse with the residents, we ran into many people who were unchurched and they had no prior experiences with church. Their grandmother, grandparents didn't go to church. Their parents didn't go to church. So as a result, they were unchurched. They uh, had very little knowledge of what church was about. And definitely they uh, didn't have any relationship with Jesus Christ. So this is our objective. Our objective as Christians is not just to um, enjoy ourselves, uh, uh, which is great. We enjoy Jesus. We enjoy the church. We, uh, we enjoy the musicals. We enjoy the concerts, the gospel concerts. We, we, we're full of gospel entertainment these days. But we need to remember that God has called us for a primary objective. Yes, we can have concerts. Yes, we can have plays. Yes, we can have shows. Yes, uh, we can have church programs. But let's not forget our mandate. Our mandate as Christians is to go out and evangelize according to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And that's a prescriptive text. So we are called as believers to always have this uh, obligation in mind, then this obligation is for us to become spiritually attractive, which will lead a man or woman, boy or girl, to Christ. And while doing so, people are going to have questions. And we must be prepared to give our apologia. The world, regardless of what many say, they're looking for answers. And the problem is they're seeking the answers in all the wrong places. We that have the truth, we can't allow our light to be hidden under a bushel. We must testify. We must argue for Jesus. And when I say argue, doesn't mean that you have to be a great theologian or a great philosopher. We can tell people how Jesus has saved us. That's the starting point. There's something called experiential apologetics, and that means that you are arguing for God, you're arguing for Christ based on what he's already done for you. Tell them how Jesus has transformed your mind. Tell them how Jesus has ratified you, has changed you, has redeemed you. That also is apologetics. Yes, we can talk about uh, transubstantiation and consubstantiation. We can talk about the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. We can talk about these media-ish issues of, of, of theology, but there are those who don't speak that language. There are plenty of people in our churches who know very little about the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ as we talk about it on the, on the ivory tower level. We must be adaptable to share and argue Christ both on a higher level and on a natural level. We can't be so deep that 
uh, those that we deal with every day don't understand what we're talking about. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus met everybody where they were. So as Christians, we all of us are called to practice our apologetics. All of us are called to give everyone an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and to do it with gentleness as well as respect. That's what apologetics is, uh, is really about. It's removing the doubts that some have about Christ. It, it's, it's meeting those uh, people where they are and bringing them to where Christ wants them to be. So now that we've established what apologetics is and what apologetics is not, let's look at some biblical precedents. In Acts chapter 22, we, uh, we look at Paul's testimony and Paul um, gives us a riveting example of experiential apologetics in Acts 22. He's explaining himself. Why did he shift from being a Jew in terms of religion to becoming a Christian? Why did he shift from becoming a Pharisee, which is the leader of the Jews, to now uh, preaching Christ uncompromised? So Paul is given his apology. He's given his apologia. Acts 22 and 1. He says, brethren and fathers, hear ye the defense. See, that word defense is uh, apologia. This is Paul saying, hear ye the apologia, which I now make unto you. So Paul is getting ready to unpack his apologia. So you and I should be ready to always give each man or woman our apologia. What is your apologia? What, what, what is your argument for Jesus? And again, the best way to start, if you're not used to apologetics, is to start at the experiential apologetics level, which is to give your apologia. How did God convert you? So Paul says, brethren and fathers, hear ye the defense which I now make unto you. And when they heard that he spake unto them in the Hebrew language, they were the more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, instructed according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, even as you all are this day. So first of all, he's already gained their attention because he's speaking their language. He's speaking their natural tongue. So what that tells us is God can use all of us. There are people that you can reach that I can't reach. There are people that I can reach that you can't reach because of our culture, because of our language, because of our customs. God has created you uniquely to be effective with certain people. And this is a reality. This is, this is evidentiary. God placed us all where we are intentionally. My background um, is African in the sense that uh, my, my parents are Africans. Uh, they raised me uh, with African customs. They uh, uh, imposed on me the African language. And as a result, I have a great chance of reaching those I come in contact with that come from West Africa. You, wherever, whoever you are, you were born in a certain place, with certain customs, with certain dialects, with certain rituals, and there are people that you can reach quicker than I can. So all of us 
have been uniquely gifted and packaged to bring glory to God. So when we give our apologia, it's received more quickly. So that's Acts 22 and 1, where we see that word apologia being used when Paul says, hear ye the defense, or in the Greek, apologia, hear ye the apologia. Then we see Acts 26 and 24. And Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and made his defense. Again, that's the word apologia, and made his apologia. I think myself happy, this is Paul, King Agrippa, that I am to make my defense. Again, the word apologia. Before thee this day, touching all the things whereof I am accused by the Jews. So he's on trial. He's on preliminary trial, rather, and he's been brought to King Agrippa. And he's been arrested for uh, violating natural laws because he's preaching the gospel. And by the way, this, this is part of Christian ethics. I'm, t- I'm shared this for free. When man's law contradicts with God's law, you have to go with God's law because man is fallible and man often get things wrong, but God is infallible and he never gets it wrong. So always go with God and you'll be fine. So Paul says he's happy to have the opportunity to express his apologia before King Agrippa. Verse 24, and as he thus made his defense, Festus saith with a loud voice, Paul, thou art mad. Thy much learning is turning thee mad. And so uh, those that not filled with the spirit, those that have little knowledge about our faith, they don't get it. They won't get it. So oftentimes when you give your apologia about how God converted you, how God stopped you from lying, how God stopped you uh, from mismanagement, how God stopped you from reckless living, they won't get it. Some people won't get it because they're not Christians, because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. They won't get it, but that's okay. Keep giving your apologia because the more consistency they see in your life, the more of a testimony that words on them, the more of a testimony that influences them. Uh, they may not see it, but if they, they see the consistency, even if they don't believe it then, it will have an impact on their life. So keep giving your apologia and keep living the righteous life. Keep giving your apologia and keep living for Jesus. The next scripture, 1 Corinthians 9 and 3, and it says, my defense to them that examine me is this. So again, Paul uses that word apologia. He says, my apologia to them that examine me is this. So people that are watching Paul, people that are accusing Paul, people that are saying things about Paul, Paul says, those that are examining me, those that are checking me out, those that are observing me, here is my apologia. Here's my defense. And again, this defense is an argument for why we should believe in Christ. Number one, you should believe in Christ because of what he's done with me because of how he's changed me, because of how he's influenced me, because of how he's transformed me, right? Romans tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
that we may prove that good and acceptable will of God, right? Which is our reasonable service. So our minds as Christians have been transformed, and that's the greatest testimony you can share with anyone. Tell them about how God has changed you. Tell them about how God is changing you. Tell them about how God has promised to continue changing you because of the uh, um, uh, sanctification process. That's what holiness means. Holy means sanctified, set apart for God to use. Philippians 1, 7. Even as it is right for me to be thus minded on behalf of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. Again, uh, Paul uh, talks about inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense. That word defense, again, is apologia. The answer. Your response, your Christian uh, uh, refutation. So, and in the defense, that's the word apologia and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers with me of grace. So, we see the word apologia once again in Philippians 1 7. And by the way, for those of you uh, that's listening to us, you have an opportunity to um, win. Uh, a gift this week. We're starting off uh, something new. If you're listening to this show, uh, the, if you email us to info at srministries.org, it's your opportunity to win uh, a free book. Uh, but it has to be the first email that we get for the week. Uh, you can win yourself uh, one of our special gifts. And we, we'll do this weekly. Uh, if you win once for this month, you have to wait till next month to win yours. So you have an opportunity to win a gift once, once a month. But you have to send us an email uh, to info at srministries.org. And the code word is apologia. Just email us and give us the code word, which demonstrates that you have been listening to this show. And uh, if you're the first person to email us, you will get yourself a gift, a special gift uh, uh, from us to you. Uh, Philippians 1.16, it says, The one do it of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel, but the other proclaim Christ of faction, not sincerely thinking to raise up affliction for me in my bond. So Philippians uh, 1.16, we see that word, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. He's set for the apology of the gospel. And that's what all of us should be doing. Uh, all of our relationships ought to be intentional. You may be asking yourself what I mean by that. When I say all relationship needs to be intentional, um, we should want the people that are in our lives to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when, I'm, uh, when I meet someone, uh, if we have an opportunity to dialogue my objective is to see how I can introduce Christ into the conversation. Um, if I have associates, my objective is to see how I can introduce them to Jesus. Uh, so we, our, our relationship has to be intentional. Second Timothy 4 and 16. And it says, at my first defense or answer, no one took my part, but all forsook me. May it not be laid to their account. So um, in 2 Timothy 4.16, again, Paul 
uses that word apologia. So this is not a foreign concept. When we talk about Christian apologetics, it's not just for the few. Christian apologetics is for everyday believers. At my first defense, at my first apologia, which in this context means answer, no one took my part, but all forsake me may not be laid to their account. So Paul was abandoned by some of the people who should have stood up to defend him. And in this Christian walk, sometimes it feels like we're all alone, but we're not. And God sends people our way to encourage us or God allows us to experience circumstances to encourage us. God will never abandon you, but some people will. And so Paul gave his apologia uh, without people there to uh, help him. Now, 1 Peter 3.15, which we mentioned before, which is one of my favorite apologetic scriptures, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be always ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. And the King James Version says, uh, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be you always ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you, and to do it with gentleness and respect. So we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We have to read the Bible. We have to study the Bible. Then at times, uh, we have to use the resources through education that God has given us. And that's what Paul was doing uh, on Mars Hill. Paul wasn't quoting scriptures. What Paul did was through uh, philosophy, he used the intellect God gave him to meet these intellectuals where they were. Because his objective is ultimately, if he gets any to believe, then they would, they, they would appreciate the uh, sanctity of the scriptures. So he met them where they were. He quoted their own scriptures. The, the idea is to meet them where they are so we can get them to where they need to be. So we meet people where they are. If they're talking math and you can talk math, speak math with them. But ultimately, we want to take that math discussion and shift it to the God who created math, the God who crea- created um, physics, the God who created algebra and trigonometry and arithmetic. Um, God created this discipline. If, if, if we're talking about uh, food and, and, and creating food um, and, and, and you are a foodie, as they say these days, then you engage people that um, share your uh, enthusiasm about food. But yet our objective is to introduce them to Jesus. If you're a mechanic and you are in uh, uh, the mechanic group and you're, you guys are talking about how to fix uh, certain cars and, and, and how to tune them and how to put them together and tear them apart, then your objective is to see how you can introduce those individuals to Jesus Christ. So whatever your profession is, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a janitor, it doesn't matter. Your objective is to see how you can uh, share Christ with these individuals and introduce to them the God who saves. And that has to come oftentimes through your apology, you uh, answering the whys. When we share the gospel with someone, they will ask why. And the whys is where the apologetics kick in. So our time has come to a close. We will continue uh, this discussion on the next episode. Um, 
continue to pray for us for this radio show. And remember, if you want to give, go to our website, srministries.org, and uh, you can donate there. Uh, but don't forget to email us if you know the, uh, and give us the code for this episode. Remember to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.